The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond, and hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where we talk about all things PlayStation, and this week, we are talking about the PlayStation 5 and games we've played on it, because we can actually finally talk about that, and I am so excited to jump in. Uh, this week, I am joined by, before we get all to the, the PS5 of it all, I'm joined this week by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Hey, Lucy. Also joined this week by Janet Garcia. What's good? Hey, Janet, and we're also joined by Mitchell Saltzman. Hey, Mitchell. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, obviously, for those uh, watching at home, this episode is coming out before the PS5 is out. Uh, so the games that we talk about, we won't you know, dive into story spoilers. Basically, whatever is out there in trailers or anything like that is fair game. We'll be talking about, at least in detail, um, Spider-Man Miles Morales and Astro's Playroom. Uh, like I said, we'll try to keep spoilers as light as possible, though, for this. Uh, and then we can uh, also talk about just kind of using the PS5 itself. So we'll be jumping into that stuff as long as, as well as a couple other uh, games that we've been playing on PS5. But we can finally actually talk about this thing. And um, Lucy, obviously, um, as a cast member of the show, and then Mitchell and Janet for being on as guests uh, a bunch. Thank you all so much for being here. We've all had experience with the PS5. We've all been waiting for these weeks to finally talk about it. And now it's here. And it's a little strange to finally be able to just talk about this stuff. I don't know how you guys feel. <laughs> yeah, no, it is bizarre. It feels like we're living in an alternate reality, which we are in many, many ways. Yeah. But, you know, it's, you know, it is very strange to be living in this reality in 2020 and, and, and having the PlayStation 5. One thing that I will say is that I've like absolutely adored my time with the console so far. And I think everyone who has a pre-order um, should be really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Jen and Mitchell, how are you both feeling? Yeah, yeah, it feels it's... good to finally be here. Wait, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the it's the excitement of it. I think you know we've been waiting for this for a long time, and for it to just be your new like go to console, like for your Sony experiences or for whatever games you normally play on PlayStation. Like it was so exciting to finally just like unplug and reorganize everything, reconfigure it, and say like, okay, I'm I'm on PS5 now, and you know for backwards compatibility to be able to support that transition really easily was also really exciting just to say like we're fully into this next gen uh and i've also really enjoyed my time with it so i'm i'm very excited to talk about the details of the ui and you know all the ui hype and the games and everything yeah for me it's you know <laughs> i just love next gen console launches we only get so many of these you know in our lifetime and uh just the the feeling of, of you know getting it set set up 
even just going through like the very mundane stuff of like entering in your your PSN name for the first time, going through the the UI, uh, it's just it's really exciting. Uh, some of that some of that magic has kind of worn off already because you know uh, I've had it for about a week and a half or so at this point. Uh, but man, I'm having a great time playing all the games on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where it is um, funny to now actually have in our homes and be that that thing that's just kind of there with us every day. And obviously, everyone out there is only a few days away if you've been able to get a pre-order from being there. And so we'll we'll talk about the experience of like using the UI, uh, navigating around it, uh, playing with what we can on it so far. Um, but yeah, I, I will say like as a um, a jumping off point for me, it was a it it was a, such an exciting moment to be able to plug it in. And just so quickly get into games and how quickly it downloaded stuff and um, how easy the UI and everything has been to navigate. It was one of those weird like, oh, there's some things maybe I'll miss about the PS4 and we can get to one of the interesting omissions from generation to generation. But overall, it feels like a really, really nice step up. And I will say, um, definitely go check out uh, Luke Riley's full review on IGN of the console. He reviewed the PS5 itself and definitely go read through all of his thoughts on it. But I, I do sort of want... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think he was going to say, I do want to just go down the list and uh, talk about the console itself and how the UI feels. So, uh, Lucy, why don't you start with... Uh, Telling me, telling us how how you feel about the UI. Dono, you're back. I'm back. Good God, this is going to be a nightmare. I'm so sorry. Of course, <laughs> we're dealing with tech issues for such an important episode. Um, I wonder how many times I will be cut off. So I'm going to say, Lucy, what have you thought of the UI? <laughs> that was exactly so. Mitchell stepped in for you when you just cut out, and that was exactly what he asked. So Mitchell can be the uh, interim host whenever you Perfect. cut out. Dono. I'll take um, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel I haven't even thought too much about the uh, UI, which is a good thing because uh, it's really intuitive and it's not it's not uh, it's not sort of weird in any way. It's it just makes sense. Everything is where it should be. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I always preferred the PlayStation UI over the Xbox UI. The, the Xbox UI never made sense to me. Um, but the way that it's laid out is, is kind of, it's, it's, it's perfect. I mean, the, the activity cards make sense to me. Um, I think they're really a cool little addition. I don't think they're, you know, super like game changing in any way, but I think that, uh, that, that like for something like Astro's Playroom, which is just like a series of little challenges. Uh, they're, they're great. You can just jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out. It doesn't really interrupt the flow of, of the game. Um, yeah, I just I think it's it's really elegant. Uh, I don't really have much more to say about it. It's kind of unremarkable, but in a really good way. Yeah, it feels like it's unobtrusive to getting you to the game. Like I, I think I would say about the PS5, for me at least the most, is that it very much is like a, hey, just get to the experiences that you want to have because there's a lot to say. Um, I, I do... I like how easy it is to get to trophies and everything. That's been a very good thing for me. Like it's on the page of the game. You can easily get there. Um, it feels like a smart evolution of what the PS4 did, but it like bumping down on the PS4 UI for a specific game and it takes so long to load. And there's always like things lagging a little bit. There's always a lot of problems with that UI for me. And so I feel like this is a really nice evolution of all the features I would want there. Um, Mitchell, what is, what is it you've been, uh, what has your experience been so far? I'm just so afraid the internet's going to go out. So I keep trying to. 
super positive. I I actually was a big fan of the the PS4 UI, and I think the PS5 uh, kind of evolves it in really really smart ways. The the big thing that I really appreciate is that when you press the home button, it doesn't just take you out of the game and puts and puts you into the you know the PlayStation Home ui it, it brings up an overlay so you can still see what's happening in the game it just kind of comes up from the bottom and just you can still you can still actually see what's behind it uh and then from there you can go through the the activity cards the activity cards are interesting because uh i've never really there's never really been anything quite like them uh and so like going into it at first i was like oh what are these go go away i just want to get to like my game switcher uh but when i actually like started looking at it and you know, seeing that it was a way to keep track of, you know, collectibles that I still wanted to get or, you know, a trophy, a, a, like a trophy that I didn't even know existed. But, you know, I was close to, you know, making progress on uh, it was just really, really helpful, uh, especially in Astro, where you can like you bring up the home menu. And it's contextual. So like if you're in, a, you know, the, the beach level, it'll bring up a thing that says like, hey, you've got uh, 68% of, you know, collectibles in this level. Do you want to, you know, do you want help finding some of the other ones? And then you can click into it. You can, you can see a little tutorial video that basically shows you where where it is. And then you just, you know, put down the menu and just go find it. Yeah. It's crazy. The, activity, it's- the activity cards are so good for um, trophy hunters. Oh, yeah. yeah. I you know what it. I mean? Like for those, like those obsessive people of which I am not one, you weirdos. Um, <laughs> uh, I, platinum, I love uh, it. Did you? Yeah. I'm super, you did. super happy about it. Um, yeah. It's, it's genius how it's laid out and, and how it, it really does show you exactly what you need to do instead of like spending, I presume hours and hours trying to figure it out yourself. And yeah. uh, I, sorry, Michelle, go ahead. I was just going to say also, even if you're not in, in, you know, the, even if you try to look for something that's not in the beach level, you can press a button and even without going through the game menu, you can transport to that level just from the activity card, which is, it's nuts. Yeah, it's so cool. it is. It is really cool. And, and Jana, I definitely want to hear from you on the activities cards. Cause obviously we've talked about it in like a theoretical case on this show from the guides perspective and everything. I do just want to touch on very quickly. Cause Mitchell, you had said something and it completely slipped my mind. And then when you said, it, I was like, Oh yeah, that's been one of my favorite things is that, the little game control center that pops up because it's essentially the inverse of what the PS4 did. So like on PS4, if you press the PlayStation button once, it brings you out to the main hub. But if you held it down for a little bit, it would bring up a short, small menu to look at things. But I always found that menu kind of slow, clunky, not really having the settings I want or the settings are nested in like other menus within that menu. This is sort of the inverse where you press it once and you do get that small uh, menu at the bottom and it is so nice to be able to not only just see the activity cards but switch to a game quickly check your friends list or your downloads quickly like it is so snappy and so nice and just right there and then if you want to back out you hold it a little bit longer and it brings you out to the main ui and i i like that flow of it so much um but yeah janet in terms of using the ui and you know playing spidey and astros and uh navigating between all this stuff what has been your experience of all of it? And I think especially how have you seen the activity cards now that they're in practice? Yeah, well, I don't know how detailed we want to get on the, the game help side of them, because I think that's the biggest thing. We might want to save that maybe a little bit for later. But for everything yeah. else, um, I think Mitchell spoke to it really well with like, it is overlay city here, which I think 
is a great marriage with what Lucy had mentioned where, oh, it's pretty intuitive. You can kind of figure it out, especially if you've had game consoles before. It works as you'd expect it to. But at the same time, like I'm still someone that constantly has to look down at the controller and I'm like, am I hitting options or am I hitting like share or now create, right? <laughs> so I like that um, it lends itself well to getting to know the UI because it's easy to take a second before you end up like going too far and making a mistake because that bar comes up. I do like that you can also customize that little bar uh, to a degree. Some stuff is standard set. Like I think the game switcher is just kind of always locked in there and a few others, but you can make some customization to that and kind of change the order of things, which is nice. It kind of reminds me of how we have toolbars on our computers and can sort of customize that element as well. It's like a quick, easy access thing. I do think um, without getting into the details of the game help element, the cards are a little bit busy. There's kind of a lot of information to take in. Um, I kind of maybe wish that you had a little bit more control or kind of had a easier, quick understanding of it because it will change from game to game based on the kind of game it is. You know, in Astro's Playroom, it's very collectible based and the cards are like pretty streamlined towards just like those two types of main collectibles. While in Miles, like it's a lot more of a, you know, it's a larger game. So there's like a different sort of slew of activities it's showing you um and I, I do think it's really cool as like a fast travel hack um i think that's the number one thing people will use it for because even if you choose not to dig into the game help element it's cool to say that okay i want to go back to this area though and you can immediately jump in um i've also just really liked the speed at which you can just like load in and out of games like i would completely like quit out of miles just to kind of check my progress like what percentage i'm in because you can't see that super easily which i really wish they had like play times and other data like i'm still craving more data from like that ui from like all my Same. consoles yeah but so like but being able to like exit out and go back in was so quick and simple um yeah i think it's just been really like easy to navigate and it feels like a little bit of a marriage between the ps4 ui and some of the things xbox does i know people hate xbox's ui but i do like how um some of it is like so weird um, <laughs> i like it i'm the only one that likes it and i'm okay think... with that I, I think, think it does, does come have some of that well. overlay thing. Yeah, like it does yeah. have it does have that layer where you're not completely out of anything that can make it look like, you know, a mess. But I think they sort of found a way to incorporate some of those ideas, but in a way that feels still familiar, like this still feels like it's inherently a PlayStation UI because it still is dominant left to right, up and down. That's sort of the style of all their UI configurations. And this sort of keeps that with a little bit of an emphasis towards throwing game related information like news and, and that kind of info is such a big focus on how it's sort of mapped out right now yeah i think the activities cards in particular are going to be an interesting test case for when we get more games using them because that's when we're really going to know how well the functionality can be implemented what they're going to do to update all of it because like immediately already i wish i could just delete the news feed activity card that's always there off like i do not mm -hmm. need to know about the current Fortnite cup that's happening i get it it's happening. I don't need to know every second I, I'm checking a trophy completion in miles. Um, there's there there is some limitations there, but I, I do think it's important to mention because you had brought up the how easy it is to like get to the game switching from there. Um, this the PS5 does not have the quick resume feature that Xbox has that I know a lot of people have sort of been wondering about, and it doesn't. Um, it's not something Sony's really talked about. I will say like switching from game to game is so quick, like it's under a minute for me for the games that I've been switching between where I go from like. I'm in a game, I bring up the the quick resume or the quick switcher uh control center, go to the switcher option, click the new game, and then it's in there pretty quick. I don't know if if you uh Jane, I know you said you've been like backing out and doing stuff. I don't know who's been like testing that stuff, but it's been really snappy and easy for me, but it does kick you out of the game. So you do have to exit the game fully to be able to switch to another game. 
it just loads yeah. so fast. Like I, yeah. you know, I, I remember several podcasts ago, I think it might've been like all time or someone was saying, you know, the sort of the speed at which you can get into a game now, like this was, you know, he was being theoretical, but it's like one of those things that I can't ever imagine being without like the speed yeah. is now the, it is the new normal and going like anything less than how quickly we can get into PlayStation five games is a waste of my time. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fast. It's so, so satisfying. I just, I love it so much. I mean, yes, it would be nice to have a quick resume feature, but it's, it's so speedy just putting out and getting into another game. It's not, it's not a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually tested this out. I, uh, timed how long it took me to get into uh from the the playstation 5 home screen into miles morales to the point where i could like start web slinging around and then i went back to the backwards compatible ps4 version of of spider-man and found that in the amount of time it took me to go from the home screen to being able to web web, uh, web sling around i was at the insomniac logo on the ps4 version of spider-man <laughs> so if in That's 15 crazy. seconds I was swinging around in in uh, Miles Morales, in 15 seconds on Spider Man, I was at the Insomniac logo. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's wonderful, and it's definitely one of those things where, like, um, you know, Spidey didn't have the most egregious load times I would say on PS4, but they were noticeable. Like, I definitely spent a lot of time in those loading screens looking at Spider Man high res. Uh, models of the suits slowly spinning or moving in the frame and here it's just it's gone like there is there's no time for him to do a cute subway animation where he's riding the subway if you if you choose the fast travel there's such instantaneous like near instantaneous time between clicking it open jumping into the you know startup menu and being in game like you were saying i i think it's it is that moment of like clicking continue on the main menu to being in game within like a second or two and it's like well, how how are you doing that it's I actually so feel smooth when they when that happens too because yeah. like to your point yeah you when you do fast travel you don't have the long sitting on the train but you do have like a little clip of him like walking out of the subway station and i like that they have that like I feel like in past gens, when there have been surprisingly fast moments, it's almost as developers didn't really account for it. So you sort of see like insomnia and it just like flash kind of. And it almost like is a bit shocking in how hard of a cut it is. It's like a, almost like a poorly edited video. But here it feels like the speed doesn't get so fast that you feel like you're not even consuming any information or seeing anything on screen or just seeing like a like a one second flash of, uh, you know, a suit or something like where I feel like last gen if it was faster, they wouldn't have necessarily accounted for that. It would have just been, oh, you see like that one sentence of game help and then now you're in the game and it's sort of the worst of both. So I really love how they kind of accounted for that and it just feels like natural and smooth, which lends itself really well to how stylish like Miles Morales is in its gameplay. I feel yeah. like it actually, the the speed of how fast everything loads might uh, create interesting problems for, for some developers that have very complex games that, and rely on loading screen tips to kind of give you that extra bit of knowledge mm -hmm. uh, to supplement, you know, whatever tutorial that they, that they have, because yeah, like uh, another game that, uh, that I've been playing on the PS five for, for preview was devil may cry five. And it, you know, it also has loading screens that have information on it, but the loading's so fast you can't read any of it. It just immediately <laughs> puts you into the game. So, uh, so yeah, it's gonna be. I, I feel like that's gonna be an interesting. I mean, problem in quotes. Yeah, like but, it's a uh, good problem to have, yeah, right? Like yeah. it's a, it, you know, like it's it's 
it sort of demands that devs be a bit more creative with the way that they uh, offer us tips. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how uh, Demon Souls does it actually, yeah. because for anyone wanting to jump into the Soul series for the first time, because it's a PS5 title, uh, that's a very, very, very complex series. If you haven't uh, had an experience with it prior, um, so yeah, I'm very interested to see how and if there are any tips sort of woven through that beyond the usual, if you look at a blood puddle or whatever, and you get, (laughs) you know, you get a little bit of information. I mean, actually from software has always been quite good at organically weaving that through, but that's the sort of thing we're going to see more of, I think, is that, is that like more sort of organic game help as opposed to the loading screens. What's interesting about FromSoft games is that they use load screens to to show like item descriptions, which are honestly one of their main ways of of you know showing their lore. So so yeah, like the illumination of load screens is is gonna be interesting to see how it impacts uh, you know certain development decisions. Yeah, it, it's gonna be a really fascinating thing to watch play out over this generation because I think leading into it, like we had heard all these theoretical things of like. Yeah, the PS5 and the way the SSD works and the way it allows developers to load in levels and parts of levels, we're not going to have to worry about any of those elevators or like slow climbing through hallways anymore. And it's like, that's true because those are in-game loading. But yeah, this is just straight loading screens are a thing I have not really been thinking about this these last few days. And it's it's a nice feeling to be able to just have that smooth, consistent experience with the games that we're playing. Um, And definitely I do feel like the the speed is one of the most next-gen things about what PS5 is offering. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get off of uh, UI stuff and get more into the the gaming side of it, I did want to ask, did anyone transfer their PS4 data to the ps5 because the the info on how to do it is on the ps5 box which people have uh, picked up on and also it's one of the like as you're starting your ps5 it's like do you want to transfer it's one of the like first options it gives you so has anyone tried i didn't do I a did full not. transfer of the entire thing because i with like how much memory you have i'm like i don't know if i want everyone coming over here so <laughs> I, I sort of just hit skip for that but then i did uh transfer my crash for save data and the download file and all that over it was fairly simple i'm someone that always struggles with doing that i don't know why i just i just do uh we will have guide help for that uh on our ps5 wiki but essentially you just upload your save to the cloud you know you if you have ps plus and then you just download it from there um and it's kind of where you'd expect it to be like within your settings uh and it didn't take too long um it took long enough that I do think you still need a plan for it. At least that was my experience with Crash 4, where downloading it still takes a little bit. And this is, once again, across like Wi-Fi. If you do like a, you know, a USB thing, it might be faster. But, you know, you, I, you still have to kind of wait for that. And then for the save data, I also had to wait. Uh, weirdly enough, with Crash 4, I got the classic, it's ready to start like at this you know part of the line. And then I'm like, cool, let's start playing. And then they're like, it loaded the game, but then it wouldn't let me go into any levels. And I'm like, so yeah. you weren't ready to start. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and as far as loads too, like Crash 4 has really long load screens on PS4. Yeah. They are significantly shorter on PS5, but they are noticeable. Like you can absolutely tell that like this is a PS4 game or an oddly slow PS5 game. Like it's noticeable. Like you wouldn't be able to like pass that off as a PS5 game just from the load times alone. Um, everything else, it felt fine. You know, it felt like the same as when I played it on my PS4. I didn't like notice any in that specific game any like crazy upgrades or anything it also already looked really great to begin with but it was really nice having those faster load times because they were like very long for some reason so i'm still enjoying like being able to continue what i was doing on ps4 on ps5 and the process was fairly simple as well yeah and i, I will say at least in terms of because i i haven't transferred but i have downloaded a few ps4 games to the ps5 um, and just overall, download speeds have been really good and easy for me. Uh, I don't know how all of your experiences have been, but like I've been able to download, like I can say I'm playing Bug Snacks and the download of that game took under five minutes. Like even something as big as Spider-Man, I waited maybe 15 minutes tops. I can't think of it being a particularly, um, <clears throat> excuse me, slow time to get those games. And that, that has been a nice thing of just sort of the fluidity of it all. Obviously that is dependent somewhat on your internet connection. And given this call, you can see that I have bad internet connection sometimes. Um, but I, there is a, a definite speed increase, even when it comes to some of those base things that were kind of a nightmare on the PS4. 
Um, I, I do also briefly want to mention we can't really speak to the uh, PSN uh, store integration or any of the media apps just yet. Uh, I can say, though, the, they did update the PlayStation app uh, for phones, which is available to anyone that's not part of our like review plans or anything. Uh, it's out there. It's much snappier. It's much uh, easier to use and navigate, in my opinion. Uh, it looks cleaner. Um, so I think that is a good... Uh, indicator of where things will go, but we can't talk to that stuff in detail just yet. Um, anything else on sort of the UI of it all before we jump into the actual game playing? Because there's a lot of fun stuff to talk there. Uh, let's go into game playing. Cool, yeah. let's do it. Uh, so, of course, I do want to start off because we only previously, as Mitchell well knows on the last episode, we're only able to talk about one level of Astro's Playroom when it came to using the DualSense. Uh, now we can talk about Spider-Man and Astros in full using the DualSense uh, and just our overall impressions. So before we jump into like individual game stuff, I do want to sort of just get a brief opinion from everyone on how the controller feels to you, how it compares to a DualShock 4 for you so far, um, what your feelings are on it, and I'll say mine sort of at the end. But uh, Janet, I'll start with you. How are you feeling about the DualSense? I love it. I love it so much more than the, the DualShock 4, and I'm very happy to be using that as like this controller of the gen. Um, it's definitely way heavier. Uh, it even feels in a way heavier than the Xbox One controller, but it also feels more compact to me. So I find the weight like very manageable. Um, the adaptive triggers are really, really interesting and really cool. However, I do get kind of tired after using them for a while. There are accessibility features built into the console, both on a game by game level and on a console level that you can kind of accommodate for. So I'll be interested to see how those get used moving forward, because I do think they're really uh, cool ways to create additional immersion, but they can also be, you know, a barrier for some people, whether it's an ability thing or just a preference thing. Um, I also really adore just what's this is kind of like part dual sense, part like 3D audio. It's sort of all integrated. Um, the use of the internal mic, um, which like these some of these things aren't necessarily new, but like I feel like the immersion and the way that the haptic feedback works when they do decide to fully utilize it is just so phenomenal. Uh, I know we're going to get more in detail on it a little bit later, but like I absolutely love it. It reminds me a lot of what is already happening in the VR space. If you had PSVR or if you had Oculus Quest or anything like that, you've felt some of these um, additional tricks and ideas that are used to to sell the idea of you being in the game because that's the whole point of VR, right? You have the full immersion headset, you look around 360, all of that. Um, and I, I felt that while playing Astro's Playroom, the way I felt it when I played Astro in VR. And that's really awesome because not enough people play VR because it's a very expensive thing. There's not a lot of games for it. I don't fault anyone for skipping VR, but there's so many amazing and interesting and innovative things happening in that space. And it's so thrilling to me to have some of that came over to a more traditional console where people will be able to experience it. Um, so yeah, I just hope it gets utilized a lot. Uh, we'll see. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how that has been utilized so far. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there in terms of like when all of the facets of what the PS5 can do with 3D audio on headsets or with all the different parts of the DualSense, I think that's when it is at its best and shows off the the coolest bits of it. But and I do definitely want to touch on the the bit you mentioned. You can in the settings turn off any of these features. So if you do have any difficulties with dealing with um, adaptive trigger resistance or the you know, the difference in the the rumble uh, and all of that stuff, you can turn those things off if that is a problem for you. And I do think that. That's important that that's there from a system level because as janet was saying like there are people who are going to want to play ps5 games who just are not able to use those features or be able to play without those features being an obstacle and obviously there shouldn't be anything about playing the game that should prevent you from you know enjoying it so it, 
Go ahead. Also, there are times where I was asked to blow into it. I didn't like any of those times, and I hope to never see that again. Neither. neither. Oh my god. My so my girlfriend who doesn't play video games, um, there's this bit in Astros where you have to blow into the control. <laughs> and I was doing it and I had my headset on and I could just feel her gaze, like her judgmental gaze. So blowing. I was just sitting there like trying to hide the fact that I was blowing into this controller looking like a goddamn idiot. I hate it. I hate it. I've never liked the use your mouth. It's yep, no. stop. No. It's the same thing with the DS. It was like I did I I didn't enjoy it there yes. and I don't DS enjoy five. it now. Yeah. It's awful. And I have like I guess I have you know, I I run, I do distance running, so I feel like I have times where I am pretty physically fit. Uh, I have not admittedly run very much because of COVID wearing a mask makes it pretty difficult. But I was like blowing into this thing. And I'm like, Jesus, my lung capacity is atrocious. I'm like, please let the fan start spinning because I am like, <laughs> I can't, I cannot do it. I don't yeah. like it. It's not fun. It's like the worst version of all the good things. Just take the inverse. It also, like- it, it also feels kind of dirty. Like, like, you know, now in COVID times, we're so sort of concerned with like, things being you know sanitized and stuff i don't want someone's breath air going into my (laughs) controller yeah it it lives in there forever like the astrobots it's just stuck in there forever yeah no i hate that image it's it's definitely the least favorite fit it's like those nasonex commercials where they zoom in and it's like the mucus men are like what are we gonna do now we're out of a job because it's like that's what's (laughs) happening with your microphone um but no i it's definitely the the least interesting part of it too to me because i do think it is it's just tech we've seen before and i don't think it's ever been tech that's been super well in like included in a game experience like i've never blown into a microphone on a game and been like that was a fun solution for that puzzle it's just always kind of like a yeah okay i'll do that because you told me i had to and let's move on but um i i do want to uh, keep going sort of on the general uh dual sense impressions and mitchell how have you been feeling about it uh it's amazing these controllers keep getting better like i i thought that the dual or the the dual shock four was like you know my favorite controller i'm like oh well what, what are they gonna possibly do to make it better but going to the the dual sense it's like going from the ps3 controller to the dual shock four like it's bigger it fits better in my hands it feels better like the buttons feel better uh like it doesn't feel like uh anything is is wearing down as i'm, I'm as i'm using it and you know we'll we'll obviously see if if that holds true holds true uh you know months and years into the life cycle of this thing but right now it's it's amazing uh, I love this controller and uh, you know the only one thing I want to say about the mic is my <laughs> only concern is I play a lot of fighting games and the one thing I hate the most when I'm playing fighting games is having to hear other people. Also playing fighting <laughs> games. If I if I want that you know arcade experience of like trash talking, I'll go to the I'll go to the arcade. Uh, and it's hearing someone talk in a fighting game when you're playing online is actually pretty rare when you're playing on console. Um, it doesn't. It's not like you know Call of Duty where every game you get in there's just people yelling. Uh, but j- having every person playing a fighting game on a PS5 having a controller built in or having a mic built into the controller, I just I I need fighting games to have an easier mute option or just like a perma mute, <laughs> like just g- be able to go into the options menu and just click a button and just have everything muted. <laughs> just, I need this. If, if every controller is going to have a, a mic, I need this. Yeah. It is going to make chatting in games a lot easier for people to do. 
Uh, and so we will see how that goes, especially I'm, I'm with you there, not just like as, as not someone who plays fighting games, but just whenever I play multiplayer, I just don't want to hear the other random person when I'm playing. I'm kind of like, I'll hear my friends and that's it. So I don't want anyone hearing me. <laughs> yeah. Also, but um, Lucy, how have you been feeling about it? I love it, love it, love it so much. Um, it, it, you know, I, it's it's kind of hackneyed at this point to say, but it really does feel like the next gen feature um, of of the PS5 beyond the obvious. Um, it feels it feels entirely different, and and and. Playing Astro's Playroom, uh, which was kind of built around the dual sense, um, you know, I was having experiences I'd never had before in a video game. Like, just uh, it's a small thing, but just the feeling of uh, the raindrops on yeah. Astro's umbrella uh, just just rocked me to my core. <laughs> I was just I, uh, the, the subtlety of feel that you can get in this thing is remarkable. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, and also on top of that, you know, it is, for me, it is the ideal shape. It is the ideal weight. Uh, it is by far the best PlayStation controller. And I know it's the, you know, the current one. So obviously they're iterating, but it is just, it is such, it's leaps and bounds ahead of anything that's gone before. Um, my one concern with it is that people, uh, well, it's not really a concern. I do think that people are going to kind of, it's going to take some time to figure out how to properly utilize it. Like in Astro's uh, Playroom, I felt it was perfectly utilized. And of course it was because the game was built around it. And Miles Morales, I felt like there was a little bit of like not being entirely sure how to utilize it. Uh, there was there were moments where I was like, ah, did we really need that forceful rumble in that moment? <laughs> um, and I think that it's going to take some time for devs to truly figure out how best to utilize it. But as Janet said earlier, like I, I really hope they do because it brings a, a whole other level of of gameplay experience when you're using this that uh, you know i haven't admittedly played the xbox series x uh but you know that it i can't imagine any other console giving this to us it's just yeah. it's just insanely good and and so so clever and again you know sony's been hyping it up for a while but you really need to get your hands on it and experience it to really know how much of a game changer it is. I've used Game Changer three times in this podcast now. I hate myself. I apologize. I mean, we are a show about game changers. That's, you know, what we're known as to the audience. So I think I was like mentally like, don't say it again. You've said it twice. And then I said it a third time. Look, Lucy, uh, considering when we're recording this, I think it's fine whatever our vocabulary ends up being. But um, I, I do want to, yeah, I think it, it makes sense most probably to jump into Astros then talking about DualSense because I'm, I'm right there with you all pretty much. Like the DualShock 4 has been my favorite um, controller since I've been, ha I've been playing it since the launch of the PS4. But this is, I think very clearly, even within, you know, a week and a half of play, my favorite controller as well. I do think it is, it's so comfortable to hold and works so well and feels so sturdy and well-made. Um, and I think the potential for it is so, so clearly evident with Astros. And I think it's worth jumping into some of the just cool ways this uses it, because um, as Janet was saying, I think like Team Asobi did a really great job with uh, Astrobot Rescue mission, mission, improving how you can make a really, really cool platformer built for VR. And here they are showing a platformer, but also just a game experience and a toolbox and, you know, like a, a, a playground, essentially a playroom 
using the dual sense and it is kind of showing you all the possibilities and this is just from the jump um and so i i do want to kind of go into that we'll keep spoilers i think on um the references and stuff in the game that we can briefly talk about that stuff but i think for the most part most of the dual sense uses i think are pretty fair game uh, of course if anyone feels differently we can hold off on some but um I wanted to start it off by saying I do think that the the uses where it combines the triggers and the haptic feedback and the sound from the speaker are the the best coolest uses. And uh, Lucy speaking to the rain, there's a, the sequence where you're, you're going through rain and then the rain starts to hit Astro's head and then it increases in velocity and how much it's hitting you and that you feel that directly within the the controller. And then it takes a leap and hailstones are hitting you and that even changes it differently. And it's the the way they all sound different and the way the controller is vibrating differently. And it doesn't like it doesn't necessarily affect your ability to jump onto the next platform or to knock out an enemy, but it it puts you in that space so much more. It makes you go, oh yeah, I'm in the middle of a rainy level. I want to get past this rain. I need to get to, you know, the next area and whatnot. Like it, it adds to that in such a way that I, after Sony spending months telling us it would do this and never getting the chance to feel it, it is kind of like, oh wow, you, you were right. It does work that way. Um, and I, I did anyone else, Luciano, you were talking about the rain moment, but Mitchell and, uh, Janet did anything in Astro specifically feel like a, oh, wow moment for you. Uh, the, the, the part where you're in the ball and you're rolling across uh, various different surfaces. Oh man. When you hit that, that asphalt patch, the bumpy yeah. asphalt. Ooh, it's so cool. <laughs> you just like, you feel every bump and every bump feels distinct. Uh, that's like the craziest part about it. And then like right right from that, you go back on to, to solid solid ground and just uh, it's like I can't I can't even describe how it feels. You have to experience it for yourself. Uh, you'll know why why i'm like this (laughs) Yeah, no i mean that's that was the fun part i wrote i'm doing the review for us for it and it is so funny to like one knowing you know of course saying it makes you feel like spider-man in my spider-man review for the original game but like it is so hard not to use the word it feels like when it comes to this because it is all about that is literally about the feel of it but i do think it is um, th- there are so many interesting uses of it that it doesn't just feel like, oh, well, this is the light rumble, this is the medium rumble, and this is the harder, like the most difficult rumble you can fight against. It, it, there are so many other intricate levels within it. Like there's yeah, the, the so- moment in, oh, I'm sorry, Janet, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm just so shocked that they're able to do this. Like, obviously, we mention all the time that like we don't develop games, but I'm like, how the hell are we able to do this? Because it's it's so accurate. Like the accuracy is astounding. Um, to Mitchell's point, like the ass, like that's how, that's how concrete feels, and it's like how did you convey that and then have sand and have these all these other elements? I think for me, traversing across different areas is really what um moved me. Um, things like skating across the ice and how you can like convey what ice feels like um i I think too like it's we'd be remiss if we didn't like mention just the brilliant sound design like this like sound and feel have always like needed to come together in a way that conveys a i guess like a texture or something or anything like that like you can't just have one and not the other uh i mean you can and we've definitely experienced that where it's like we've all played games where you're moving through something like sludge and you move like more slowly. So that kind of helps you get the feeling of moving through that sludge. But in Astro's playroom, the way they add the sound element and have a more nuanced haptic feedback really does like 
is reminiscent of trudging through something. And like, that's just so impressive because we've had things that sort of gesture at what we experience in the real world. But I think the way that the sound design is implemented um, paired with the haptics is what makes it seem like it is real. Like in to, back to like Lucy's point with the rain, which I think the rain could have been a little better, admittedly. I feel like it wasn't um, differentiated quite enough. But one thing that I did really appreciate is they had like a little umbrella that pops over Astro and like the sound of how the droplets were hitting the umbrella had that plasticky noise that we've all experienced. Like if if you can hear and you've like had an umbrella overhead, like on a, in a storm, it has sort of like this weird, like cellophane sound to it. And they really like were able to capture that. Um, And I really enjoy the way they like experiment with how they like, it's not enough to just replicate something. You have to like replicating it is not enough to convey a mood. You sort of have to get the spirit of it. And I think that's what they really capture really well. It's not so much that, skating on the ice's astro feels like ice in a vibration sense but when you pair it with the sound it has this like what i get isn't i'm slipping i get a like a skating feeling because of the way the sound is it, it it's as if i'm you know drifting across a plane not just because i'm visually doing that and physically doing that with the character but because i hear that sound i get that kind of light texture and it's as if i'm like just literally skating across the surface and i think that's just so brilliant like the way that they like what's happening in the audio space with ps5 it's so thrilling like i can't even though i'm not a horror person i can't wait to see like the new resident evil game on this stuff like they just really can create that um and yeah it's not just the haptics because i think we've all had like different types of you know levels of controller vibration especially if you're a switch owner and you've had like the really nuanced vibrations it's also what they're doing with sound um any whether it's through the microphone that's built into the controller or if you're like using the headset like they are able to convey it both ways and that's what that's what really sells being able to you know feel like you're walking across sand or across these other surfaces because they kind of marry those two things so well that it just it's as if you're there and that's just wild yeah, for yeah. a long time, they were talking about, like, we would hear developers say, yeah, you'll be able to feel the difference between walking on sand or walking on concrete. And I was like, is the controller's shell going to, like, change in its feeling? Like, <laughs> what what does that mean? And it's, I'm totally there with you that it is the combination of the senses, like this, rightly so, and also because it'd be a terrible name, this thing is not called the dual touch, it's the dual sense. And it really is all these things coming together so that, like, when you were saying, when you're on the ice, the sound of the ice married with the haptics makes you think of ice. It is capturing the spirit. It's the same way in like a remake isn't meant to, uh, you know, it's trying to capture what you think you remember the experience being. And it's doing that with basic things like being in water. Like when Astro is swimming in water and there's like a waviness to the way the, the haptics roll out, but also the sound of the water, uh, the, the waves going through, like it's, it's all those little touches coming together that I think make the experiences in Astro is just so, so fantastic from the jump and make me go, wow, I can't wait to see what people do after day one. Like, yeah, I, I tweeted, I agree with absolutely everything you both said. And I, I tweeted out that uh, playing Astros with the 3D audio and the controller was the closest I've come to experiencing a theme park ride in my own house. And like, you know, I know VR can also give you that experience, but, you know, for the, for, for a straight console uh, experience it, it's so sensory uh you just feel so in the game uh i i was blown away i feel like the people who made this tech are just mad geniuses like they're just <laughs> insane scientists 
crazy people and I love them. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. And I love that, like, it's so like this is just like a packing game. So we all, you know, we have like our full review and stuff that you can kind of dig into. But we all know this is like a smaller experience and it was like designed in a very like show off these things way um but even with that being said it was just like i had a fantastic time playing it um, really it, it wasn't necessarily i wouldn't necessarily necessarily say it was as good as like astro rescue mission because like that was just kind of you know it's a full-fledged game they're not really like yeah. fair to compare the two but it was not like crazy off by any means and um i'm so excited that people will finally see like what an excellent platformer astro is and like i really hope that i can see like a franchise of this because it's so incredibly designed and what i really love about having this is it just was so freaking brilliant as your first PS5 experience because mm -hmm. you know you're you're itching to see what this can do. It shows you that it's fun platforming. Um, without getting into the the spoilers or the references, there's a bunch of different PlayStation references and things in there, and you're kind of going through it and experiencing game history while experiencing the future of games and the future is now. And it's just this rush of <laughs> joy. Um, yeah. And I absolutely love that. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of video games that exist, and I don't necessarily need every game to be fun you know there are really sad moving things that i absolutely love like one of my favorite games what remains of the finch isn't necessarily fun but it's like a really enjoyable story so not every game needs to be fun but i think at the launch of a console we're kind of looking for that we're looking for something to be excited about and joyous about and astro's play is a playroom right it's i always oh, the name. yeah, yeah, Astro, uh, yeah astro's yeah. playroom like it does that it like hits all of those things and it makes you just so excited to be part of what the ps5 is and that's just so brilliant um and i'm just yeah. like I also don't have a Series X yet. Um, I do have one pre-order and I'm looking forward to getting it. But like, not that it needs to be a competition all the time, but I can't imagine having that kind of click. And I just think it's so smart that they they built that in for you. Like they set you up to have just a really good time as your first console experience. And that's brilliant. And I'm really glad they did it. I'm grateful for it. And I'm, I'm going to go back and get the Platinum because it was super fun. Yeah, Can we also just shout out like how awesome the soundtrack is to us? Yeah. It's so great. It's I wanted to such a great soundtrack. Oh like God. so many, so many like like earworms in that thing. Yeah. Like we've mm -hmm. been talking a lot about, you know, the Bug Snack song obviously going into the launch because of how much that became an earworm for everyone. But like um my I think second favorite use of sound in this game, <clears throat> excuse me, is in the SSD speedway, where essentially the vocal line is just like this very robotic like S SD and it yeah. like keeps doing that. But then like the beat generates from that essentially. And then in GPU jungle, there's just a full written kind of like love song that you can you can even find the lyrics for it. Did you find <laughs> yeah. the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. The lyrics. yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. And it, we won't spoil like how to get that or anything. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. But yeah, it's it is such a well integrated part of the game where again, um speaking to all of your points, all of it feels like it, it is this showcase for like why the PS5 is you should be excited about it, but it works. Like it, it all nails that sense of like joy and excitement. And I'm I'm right there with you, Janet. Like I love Rescue Mission. It's my favorite PSVR game. I wish they were making more Astrobot games, and I really hope this is like really well received at launch once the, the, the masses get their hands on it because i want more astrobot like i want that to be a part of the ps5 and it's funny to think about the launch of the the ps4 there's the playroom which is just stuck on my ps4 and i can't delete it and it's been there forever and it's like here's how you're going to use the camera and astrobot was there kind of from the start and it was like i don't want to play any of this like it never excited me and to to have this full 360 for me to like come to the launch of ps5 and be like astrobot is the best and you need to play astrobot like it is such a a fun start to it and as you were saying like it is also 
man, it is just a love letter to PlayStation. Like it is so nostalgia fueled, but in a, a fun way to catch all the references that are around the levels to see the way they integrate the different generations of PlayStation literally into the build of the levels. Like I don't want to spoil too much of that stuff, but like literally the platforming has pieces of PlayStation in it. And it's so cool to have that integrated into the world and for it to not just be like, here's why you should be excited about the future of PlayStation, but here's why we love the past of PlayStation. It feels like a really, really great mission statement for the PS5. Totally. Um, sorry, that was my soliloquy on why I love Astronaut. <laughs> I really love it. You should go check out my review. I think I'm giving it an eight. I think I can say that now because this will be up at the same time. I think it's a really great use of the dual sense, like Janet said. I don't think it like compares to the platforming heights of Rescue Mission, but it's not that far off. And I think it um, Rescue Mission. I hope they make a Rescue Mission length game for PS5 with the dual sense. I think there's so much more ground to explore there. And I really, really hope they continue to do that with Astrobot. But it is definitely as a pack in, it is not something that you'll have to be like, I guess I'll check this out while something else downloads. Like it is worth your time and worth playing through and just a, a joy in its own right. And um, also Astro is such a little dickhead. This is my like <laughs> first experience with, with Astrobot. He's such a little dick. I love it. He's always like well, I mean, I know that I'm controlling him, but like that seems to be the plan, right? Like always. Maybe punching. you're the dick here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if yeah. you're going to put in funny animations for every single thing that Astro can hit, I mean, also, who's really in, the dick here? <laughs> to save like the little bots, you had to punch them. Yeah. And then one of the achievements was to like knock Astro with the controller, like when you first booted it up. So it's definitely like a combative game but yeah, yeah he's not very nice but he is very cute also like this, yeah. this thing is just so freaking cute and they're all like there's a bunch of little ones and they're all adorable and they all have little they're all in their little cosplay little robo cosplay it's yeah. so good it's, it's really funny to think that they tried to make knack happen with the launch of the ps4 and it's like you had astrobot the whole time yeah, yeah. <laughs> i will say there there's a part in the ice level where there's like a, a little a little bot that's in this little igloo and he's all happy he's got like hearts in his eyes and then you destroy the igloo and he's just like I think what's great about it too is like there there are so many PS uh, PlayStation references just from the history of it within the game that are fun to explore and discover but there are also just fun uses of the environment that are fun to discover like that like even the astrobots who are not cosplaying as some famous characters are still fun to interact with and still have clever little easter eggs hidden into what happens when you hit them uh, and mm -hmm. it's yeah it's such a fun, joyous thing. I can't wait till more people get to play it and get that song stuck in their head. I hope they put that GPU jungle song on Spotify because I will listen to it all the time. <laughs> um, I do want to move on, of course, though, to the other big game that we can talk about, which is Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, I'm also reviewing this one. You can check out my full review on IGN. That one's still a little more in the works, so I'm not going to mention a score or anything just yet. But um, obviously this is... A really interesting case because this is a cross-generation game. It's coming to PS4 as well. It's a launch game for PS5. Um, some of the basics that we know about with it and that you've probably seen, um, it has two modes. One is a fidelity mode and one is a performance mode. Fidelity is like 4K ray tracing, just as pretty stupid as we can make this game. It's going to look beautiful. Uh, the other performance mode is... Um, targeting the 60 frames per second. Um, I think it's locked. If not, it stays pretty much at that as much as I've played. Um, 60 frames per second. Some of the bells and whistles of the ray tracing and all that are removed from that mode, uh, but it still looks very pretty. It's still like a checkerboarded 4K. I think it's uh, how it's uh, described. But essentially, those are your two visual modes. 
Um, going into the launch of it, there was a lot of debate about the size of this game, if it was just going to be like the Spider-Man DLC episodes, which were like two to three hours max, uh, if it was going to be Uncharted Lost Legacy-like. I think Sony tried to use the word expand alone to describe the game, mm. um, which is, you know, that's Video something. Video game jogging, yeah, marketing, we- yeah. <laughs> we don't have en- we don't have enough of those, uh, yeah. so why not add another uh, word into the mix? Um, one for me, I'll just say, if there were more Uncharted: Lost Legacy and Miles Morales like games in between the the big the like bigger releases, I'd be fine with that. I think it's an awesome model. But um, anyway, d- go definitely check out my review. But uh, I'll give a little bit of my like spiel of what I thought of it, and then I want to hear all of your thoughts because I haven't talked to any of you about it actually. But um. I, I really love it. As someone who reviewed the original Spider-Man, one of my biggest critiques with it was that uh, the story is great, the writing is great, the, the the core of the combat and the web swing is fantastic, but when it came to the open world of it all, New York was beautiful, but all the open world stuff felt like it was PS3, early PS3 days open world. It was do these crimes 50 times to get tokens or whatever, these 30 collectibles, these 20 collectibles, these 30 hideouts. It was all very duplicative and samey. And as much as I liked that platinum hunt, it kind of all is a blur to me. Like I, until I went back and looked at the game, I straight up forgot you did those scientific experiments, uh, you, you know, like went around chasing gas clouds and things like that. Um, with Miles, I think there's a there's less content for sure, but I think the side stuff is more interesting because it's always more rooted in who Miles is as a character. Um, I think it often more relates back to him and his journey in this game and his, in this universe. And it also brings you back a lot to Harlem. And one of the things about the original Spider-Man was that he had his lab with uh, Otto Octavius and everything, but he didn't really have like a home base to me that felt you know, like something I cared about. And here I grew to like, be invested in Harlem. Like I I grew to be more interested in like, oh yeah, I know that shopkeep because I ran into them in a side mission. Oh, I know this stretch of land because I was here for X, Y, and Z. Like it, it feels a bit more of the friendly neighborhood variety of what I care about when it comes to Spider-Man. So I was really happy that I felt like the side content took a step up here. Um, I think the story works really well. I do think there are some like technical issues with it. I've had uh, two game crashes and I know Janet, you've run into some bugs. Um, I have also had a game crash. Yeah. So there are definitely tech stuff, which is one of those things that I always find interesting with a review because like it, it didn't prevent me from finishing the game, but it is a nuisance and it's something they can theoretically patch out, but it is definitely something there on launch, at least when we're playing, there might be day one patches that we haven't uh, played just yet, but a uh, couple crashes and hiccups there, but uh, yeah, sorry, that was a long spiel just because I have a lot of thoughts about it since I did the review, but you can check out all my review stuff on IGN, youtube.com slash IGN. So um Lucy, I'll start with you since I think I came to you last in the last talk. How's how's your experience been with Miles so far? Yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed it. It definitely feels like an Assassin's Creed Black Flag uh, sort of style bridging the generations game. It's not like Astrobot that really felt like a next gen experience. This feels like a PS4 game that's a lot prettier. Um, I do think it's a little more refined than Spider Man, as you said. Um, I, I, you know, we were just chatting earlier before the podcast started. I think, I think the really cool thing about this game is its characters and its story. Like that's the, that's the, the thing that's been delighting me. It's not really, Ooh, this is a PS5 next gen experience. Holy shit. It's more like, this is a really cool story and I'm invested in it because of that. Uh, yeah. I think Miles is delightful. I think his friends are delightful. I think his mom is delightful. Um, yeah. And Harlem is a, is a, 
is a great place to explore. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great sort of Spider-Man 1.5 experience, and I'm happy. I'm I'm more than happy with its length. Like especially considering it, even though it's it's not as busy as Spider-Man, there's still a lot of like pick up this collectible and go find this collectible and and do this and do that, and then the map gets really busy really fast. Um, and I, I kind of like that being a little shorter because Spider-Man just absolutely exhausted me because I, it was my first and only platinum. Right. Um, the only other thing that I do want to mention, that I also mentioned earlier on the one thing that really bugged me about this game, which is delightful. Otherwise Peter Parker, and this is not too much of a spoiler. This is not too much of a spoiler. They had to take Peter Parker out of New York city. Right. So he's going to Europe with Mary Jane to like, you know, help her with something she has to do in Europe. When he calls Miles, he says, hey, just landed in Europe. Who says that? Who does <laughs> the country that they're going to? Who calls it Europe? Can someone answer me that, please? That's like in, I don't know what the reason for that would be, uh, because the only analogous thing I can think of is in TV and movies when they're like, I'll have a vodka. Because I can't name other <laughs> But like, I don't know if the tourism board of Ireland would care if he said that. I think at some point in the discussion, they mentioned going to, um, I want to say a fictional country. Um, that's a, a Marvel Universe location. Um, uh, but that comes up like way later in it. Um, it so it, it's, I know it's a stupid thing. Sure. But like, I just wanted to get it off my chest. Maybe I, do spend, I do spend. I do spend. There's about 600 words in my review on that single line. So, you know, you're not, you're not too far <laughs> off, but no, no, I understand it is when those things do stick out to you, it's hard to like, let go of that. But, but it also shows that the writing is so stellar elsewhere. Cause that's, yeah. the, you know, that was the thing that was so like, that bugged me so much. It, it, yeah. But like, honestly, in Miles, it's, it's a delight. Um, I haven't finished it, but uh, everything that I've played so far has just been utterly de- delightful. And uh, it definitely feels like a full game. It doesn't feel like a, yeah, it, a, a slight expansion. No, it, it doesn't feel like a quick like reskin of your Spider-Man One adventures. Um, and yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I definitely don't spoil anything in the review, but I think the story and the the characters around Miles are just so well told and made me go like, this is exactly why Miles deserves his own story. And like, you are able to tell such great stories with him that feel of a piece with Peter's journey, but also different and unique in their own way. And I think that that works really well with the storytelling here. Uh, Mitchell, I was curious what you thought. Um, I didn't mention it yet in my thoughts on it, but I was curious also, especially what you thought of the combat, because the core of it is very much the same from the first game, but there's the addition of his uh, bioelectricity powers and his uh, camouflage and visibility powers to it as well. Yeah, uh, the combat, obviously, it it feels like Spider-Man. It's got, you know, the same the same basic foundation. It kind of just adds a couple new layers with uh, Miles's Venom attacks. Um, And yeah, and the way the way that kind of manifests is it also introduces a couple of new enemy types that you kind of need to use those Venom Venom attacks in order to deal with. So. Yeah, I, I really liked what they did with the the combat here. It's it's super flashy. It looks beautiful. Uh, yeah. Whenever you use a, a venom attack, there's like just thousands of particles that just explode <laughs> on screen. And it looks really really cool. Um, and yeah, I think the the one thing that I wanted to to kind of you know highlight is what Lucy said, where where, where she said like this feels like a full game. Like I think there's a lot of people that are probably worried that uh, this you know 
the maybe the the slightly less or the slightly lower price and you know the the idea that this is not a full you know new spider-man game maybe makes him think that this is like just you know a, a short you know dlc kind of thing and it's not it, it has its own unique mechanics it has its own like skill tree for miles to build out um and even though it's a shorter spider-man game it doesn't feel like you know half a spider-man game it feels yeah. like it's its own its own thing which i think is just i want to hammer that po- that point home no, um, I, I think you're totally right and it's definitely worth mentioning we'll have a like how long is spider-man article basically going up alongside the review embargoes that you can check on ign but it's essentially i think it took me somewhere between eight and ten it's hard to narrow down exactly because it's uh and loki's getting very upset uh because it is an open world game where you're doing all that side stuff i'm stuck here i'm just going to my dock <laughs> um but it is uh i've probably spent at least double that doing all the side stuff uh and it's very encouraging you to you know jump into a new game plus mode uh run and everything so it is absolutely not a like a short dlc that they're upcharging for like it is you're absolutely right it is a full game it is i don't think it outstays its welcome but i also don't think it um like pads out the experience or anything like it it does really feel like a really really great story between whatever they want to say is like spider-man one and spider-man two this feels still important to the universe and i think really essential and i think does some stuff better than spider-man one that is worth praising and worth the next game picking up from yeah Um, i think i think uh you know story-wise also it benefits kind of from from that shorter runtime because there's really no filler in the story it's Every every single scene matters in the grand scheme of the overall plot. Um, and even when it's even when it's introducing new collectibles for you to find, it's doing that in a way that also matters to the story, which is mm-hmm. really, really cool. It yeah. contextualizes every single collectible. And the original Spider-Man game did kind of did this too, but like you said, the way it ties these collectibles to Miles' own journey is something that i think insomniac should you know tip of the hat to uh to insomniac for yeah it's definitely building off what the first game did but i think it is um showing a better understanding of how to integrate that stuff more fully into the experience in a way that makes it feel valuable to go chase that stuff rather than i'm chasing it because it's a numbered list item on my pause menu and i want to know uh what's going on um with the 100 percent experience but anyway uh janet i did want to hear from you also i know we got into back and forth right there so apologies but what has your experience been with uh spider-man so far yeah i had a great time with it um i did roll credits on it and i took more of a bit of a beeline approach uh this time i wasn't writing the guide for it so i just played (laughs) didn't write anything down that was pretty cool um but yeah i think you know to everyone's points um it is a more compact story i think it is like more tightly knit and overall better i do feel like it has some of the without giving away too much it does have some of the are we going in this direction or this direction here's where we end up type thing that we it seems to be sort of standard for how these stories tend to play out like you're kind of wondering what the main conflict is and seeing potential like small things that kind of pop up Um, But all of those are just a lot more personal, uh, which I think is what makes for me, Miles, a more interesting character and a character that I'm more personally invested in. I think to kind of like bring it back to what Jonathan was mentioning with Peter having just his lab, it was very like work driven, like it was a very work driven story. And Miles, it's a lot more personal. It's this idea of like, who am I as a hero? Uh, What does it mean to protect my community? And it's um, it just it just hits a lot closer to home and he like has a home that you can explore and look around. That was one of the parts I was most excited to 
get to do because I really enjoy when there are like different genre elements within like one core genre of a game. And for uh, Miles Morales, they had like not a lot of these elements, but a few like optional walking sim kind of moments where you can, you know, if you want to just leave his apartment, you, you could and continue the story and kind of beeline through the cutscenes. But if you want to look around and check out like what's going on in the kitchen and look through all of his dad's albums and all of that, um, I was especially interested to see how it would go because um, Miles is half black and half Puerto Rican. And I'm also half Puerto Rican. I know I mentioned being Mexican uh, quite a bit, but I'm half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. So I'm like, okay, this is like the review of like the Puerto Rican elements. And I was like deep diving in there. I thought they did a really good job with it, honestly. Um, like I love the way they integrate Spanish with it. It felt very real. I like that they just let it be full lines with subtitles and just like made it feel a lot more natural. There are a few moments where it felt like a, a little like, off like i don't think anyone just randomly says siesta time like nap time <laughs> kind of weird I, that was a little bit odd but other than a few of those things like they had a lot of nice touches like when you walk through the fair is another element where you could just cut to the store mm. or you could like turn the other way and like look at all these different places and like talk to the vet a few of the vendors and they had like a truck selling pasteles which is like a traditional puerto rican food so they had like these nice little touches that really helped draw me into Miles's character and get invested in what Harlem is for him and what his like mom's fighting for. I think from uh, gameplay, I love the Venom electricity stuff. It is really cool. It's just really interesting and adds a whole new layer. I do think that uh, this once again benefits from as you kind of upgrade and just get better at the game, you can really start to string together some fantastic combos where if you go for a while and just don't get touched, you're out here like, you know, punch, punch, finisher, you know, an extra thing. And, they, and these finisher animations are so gorgeous and like marvel cinematic i do think there are elements that are so polished it kind of reminds you that like this is a marvel game like it kind of <laughs> towards like almost being too cinematic that's obviously going to be a taste thing some people will go crazy some people will think maybe it's almost too like polished in those ways um as odd as that may sound but overall i really enjoyed it i will say one of my i think main disappointments in the game is um and granted i chose to do more of a beeline thing but that's honestly how i usually game i don't tend to do a lot of side stuff unless i feel like i really want to or in in spider-man since you're kind of going around maybe you like i, I stopped a few crimes because they were just happening I'm like sure like let's just go fight some people or let's pick up a time capsule because it's literally like two feet from me so this isn't a you know a big ask but um from playing that way i did feel like i you know got sufficiently upgraded and I felt like the gameplay experience wasn't hindered, but I didn't really unlock that many suits. And that was just kind of disappointing for me because I remember unlocking like a lot of stuff in um, Spider-Man on PS4 just kind of naturally. And I, I played the exact same way. So I do feel like this game seems to be designed to be replayed, to have that new game plus element, to sort of give you the option to go look at everything. But I think in those options, they... I would have liked to be more moved towards getting more suits, even if it was just ran like automatically unlocked or something, just because I feel like that was such a big element, like, you know, um, of what makes this game interesting and like the abilities and like the style of it. And to have to like go do that as an optional thing rather than something that's fully integrated was just like a little bit of a letdown for me. Sure. Yeah, there, definitely. A lot of the suits are more relegated to uh, completing side stuff uh, than in the first Spider-Man. But I also, there was also a lot more suits in the original Spider-Man. Um, I think part of that obviously comes from Miles has only been a character for so long, whereas Peter has been around for decades. Uh, and so they there are a lot of more original suits that are uh, designed for the game rather than pulling from a lot of his comics lore. Uh, of course, it's out there, but I guess slight spoilers if you don't want to know about any suits and you've somehow been on a media blackout. But spoilers now, please go away. There we go. I've warned you. The Into the Spider-Verse suit is just perfect. 
Uh, it yeah, I just me, that. yeah, yeah, it 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 made me so so happy. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a like you need to go out of your way to get a lot of the suits um, and some of those power ups that come with them. But uh, yeah, I definitely do think overall, at least like the skill trees and everything aren't blocked by that necessarily that's just more based on your leveling up uh system in the game and like mitchell was saying they're brand new skill trees there's some shared skills with peter but uh there's a lot more stuff that is specific to his new uh bioelectricity and camouflage abilities which i think works really well within the whole context it was more stealthy than i expected and obviously you could always play it differently but like it leaned a little bit heavier into that than i was anticipating yeah yeah and one of the things I always I've always really appreciated about Spider-Man is the fact that the you know, there's a stealth there. The st- there's there's stealth, but and the stealth is really fun. But also, if you blow it and, you know, you you, you get discovered fighting, fighting off, you know, the a, a, a botched stealth attempt is still really fun. Yeah. So like I always am of the opinion that like I, I try to go go in stealthy and then once you know stealth fails then you know all right let's let's do this <laughs> um, yeah, and this game it, it doesn't fe- it never feels like a punishment when that yeah. happens right yeah um so yeah i i actually really really like the stealth in this game and honestly i i i, I don't know about you guys i didn't find myself using the camouflage all that much um it can well, be I mean, he's so sneaky anyway right like yeah. that's the thing with spider-man <laughs> is that like he doesn't necessarily need invisibility because he's so sneaky as a as a character and you know it's, just, it's with his perch takedowns and stuff like that it's kind of a stealthy game anyway yeah, yeah and, and like the game... way to get back into stealth like if you get caught right. you can kind of yeah. like they're like oh he's here and i'm like am i and then it's kind of walk on the other side so i right. think that that was more so what i used it for it did seem like they thought you'd use it more because i know there is an ability where it's like additional damage if you like do a takedown while invisible and i'm like i guess i'll just turn invisible and do these takedowns just to get the I, extra damage boost i started using it a lot in essentially like my post game run uh and found it useful in the clearing out like enemy faction bases if only because of that use of like if i was trying to go in stealthy and then got caught i could you know get out of jail free card instantly just bounce out for a bit and catch my breath but i also as it's upgraded and when it is you essentially like have a lot more time because the meter related to it uh drops significantly if you do a takedown while you're stealth but if you uh upgrade that skill tree it essentially um it doesn't chip away at the bar as much and so i was able to string together like four or five takedowns or you know like a a three or four maybe and then get back up to my perch even though i was just walking around the area for a little bit like it became useful in those scenarios but yeah right um it is yeah it's definitely one that i think um a lot to be said but we can talk about it more in spoiler terms once everyone's gotten their hands on it but yeah it definitely um I do, as Mitchell was saying, definitely want to hit home. Like, this is a full Spider-Man experience. Um, it is worth the investment. Like, it is a... If you love Spider-Man 1, for me, this is a a refinement of a lot of what worked in Spider-Man. And, like, I, Spider-Man's been my favorite superhero since I got into superheroes as a kid. I've, I've always loved Peter Parker and all that stuff. I, I'm very much with you there, Lucy. Like, man, I'm more excited to find out what happens with Miles next than Peter. Yeah. Like, I, I loved the storytelling here. It felt... I think because it keeps bringing so much back to the personal and because it it relates to things in a different way, Peter Parker's story does lead back to the personal. It deals with his relationship with Mary Jane. It deals with his uh, friendship with Harry and all the, and uh, you know, his uh, mentorship relationship with uh, Otto. But 
the way I think it balances Miles's family life, his friend life, his life as someone living in Harlem, and his life as Spider-Man, I think the way it weaves all those things together works just so well and made me just really like, I, I care so much about Miles. Like it, it just really sells that. Yeah. I, I also want to stress that it's a really, um, it's a really joyful game. Uh, it's, it's been such a terrible year and like playing this was really lovely and yeah. it's also set during the holiday period. So it's just kind of like got this whole sort of sense of, you know, like when you're swinging around and a random NPC just is like, happy holidays, Spider-Man. It's just like little touches like that. It, it, it feels like Christmas in New York. And it's just a really lovely, warm game. And I, yeah. I don't mean that in a kind of like twee, cutesy way. It's just, it's, it's got, it, it just made my heart full. It's a really like affirming game. Like it is right. really about like, no, I want to be a good person because of these things. Like it's going to be tough, but it's worth it. And like that matters. And and that really comes through. And like, and like you said, like as someone who used to live in New York, Christmas time was always my favorite. Cause that was sort of the, like, that's the nostalgic version of Christmas in my head is like all the stores decorated and all the lighting up and everything. And like, it, it nails that it feels great. It looks beautiful. Like, especially in the 4k with ray tracing on, there's some like weather effects mixed with the lighting um, kind of cutting through the 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 clouds and bouncing off uh, skyscrapers and the the lighting that's out there for the Christmas season, like it all, it looks so beautiful and it, it definitely it is you know a day one game that is also sharing a PS4 build, and so we're only going to see stuff go further from here. But like as a day one game, it it looks beautiful, and I, I really loved it on PS5. Out of out of curiosity, which uh, which visual mode did you guys play, fidelity or performance? performance i was in fidelity most of the time i did performance in my post game yeah i can't even remember fidelity is the default i think yeah fidelity is what fidelity, it yeah, yeah. yeah yeah what, what yeah. did you do for me performance all the way i yeah. i man it looks great in in fidelity but once i switched to uh to the performance mode and got that you know solid crisp 60 frames per second that like it never faltered oh, yeah i'm it's, like okay I, this is the way that this game is meant to be played for me <laughs> i will say i i am not a frame rate person like i've because i've never really played on pc i've never really cared about frame rate because i don't really play anything too competitive like for or, or really timing based so for me it's always been kind of like eh, if it's 30 it's fine like i've really never noticed that difference to be honest but like this was the game where i did have that switch over moment i was like Oh, wow. Yeah, I noticed that. Like, this is, I think, the first time I've genuinely felt like a, a massive jump from the, the performance and fidelity modes. And it was one of those things where it's like, man, the web swing feels good and the, the combat feels great in this. And switching back to fidelity was kind of this jarring, like, why is it moving so slow? What happened? <laughs> like it, did, it was for the first time. And I don't know if like I will always play it that way because it is it is nice to have all that ray tracing and the the really higher end 4K assets kind of locked in there, but it doesn't look bad in performance mode. And if you do crave that uh, fidelity when it comes to the frame rate, it is smooth. Like Mitchell was saying, like I, I do think it's worth mentioning this game beyond the the game crashes that we've experienced. The frame rate is really super smooth. The loading is obviously super fast, like we talked about before. Like it does run great on those like PS5 specific versions uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, we're pretty much out of time. I realize we're running a little bit late on this. Apologies, Red, uh, our producer. So I'm just going to quickly go through. Um, Mitchell, I know you had mentioned uh, you've been playing DMC5. You have a preview up of it on IGN. Anything you want to say about the PS5 version? 
Um, what I'll what I'll say is, and this is this kind of goes for other games too. Uh, you know, the we talked a little bit about the adaptive trigger. Um, I am that that's probably the one aspect of the PS5 controller that I'm not really sure how I feel about because in as in uh in Astro's Playroom, it's used brilliantly. There are there are certain certain parts where like you you have to use the triggers to to move and the way like you know gives you some resistance it feels like you're you know pushing down a spring and it's it's awesome there are a couple of games and devil may cry 5 uh, special edition one of them is one of them where i feel like developers haven't really figured out how to incorporate uh the the adaptive triggers in in good ways and so in devil may cry 5 there's a there's an ability you have to rev nero's sword and they they have a they make it so that you have to like really push down the button in order to to do a single rev and if you if you play devil may cry 5 you know how much you're you're using that ability and just it kind of made my finger tired so <laughs> that's not good and and it sounds like that would be kind of an easy fix as well it seems like an unnecessary implementation to make it really hard yeah uh but fortunately like like we've said like all these features on the controllers you can turn off in the in the menu so there's an easy way to just turn it off um outside of that you know it's it's devil may cry it's devil may cry 5 it's one of my favorite games of last year uh virgil is is awesome he plays very similar to how he played in devil may cry 4 special edition so if you played that you'll know what to what you're getting here there's a couple of you know small differences between between the two versions mainly how he handles his devil trigger um but i go over all that in the preview one thing i need to apologize for (laughs) in the preview my brain misread uh, Mirage Edge, and I called it Miracle Edge. And I went to all these different, uh, you know, Devil May Cry Five uh, reaction videos that were reacting to my preview, and they were all calling it the Miracle Edge. It is not the Miracle Edge. I am so sorry, Capcom, that I am spreading this this incorrect Mitchell. name. <laughs> let's let's be honest. You've never played a Devil May Cry game. That's I've never played a Devil. I'm exposed. I'm sorry. The Devil May Cry community is ruthless with stuff like that. <laughs> I, it's it's okay mistakes happen all the time i i totally understand i mispronounced the you know i'm a big kingdom hearts fan i mispronounced the character's name in a video and boy was that not a fun comment section let me tell you um so mistakes happen but yeah i uh, reading your preview and uh, watching your preview um made me really excited um for jumping in especially because i missed dmc5 uh the first time around even though your review for that was great so definitely excited to jump in for this version um any other ps5 thoughts that we've maybe missed obviously we've talked about a lot and uh need to wrap up but anything else that i may have missed that anyone just wants to highlight before we sign off so so many guides things but i don't know <laughs> I, f- so... I feel like we can do a whole episode on that if i'm honest so let's, let's yeah talk after the i have some thoughts <laughs> yeah, we'll so definitely talk just... the startup screen is really cool <laughs> for the yeah. ps5 I, I just want to reiterate what I, I said. Think of Tumblr, to be honest, but go ahead, Lucy. <laughs> I just want to reiterate what I said at the top of the episode. Like, if if you're planning on getting one of these things, if you've already pre-ordered one, um, you know, start feeling really excited. I'm sure you're already very excited, but uh, it's a it's just such a great machine from the time I've spent with it so far, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of been worth the wait. So. Yeah, it's um, it has definitely been probably the most peculiar launch lead up window uh, that I, I certainly I've been a part of because it's my first, but definitely watched or just seen how the industry 
has to grapple with everything this year. And this is, you know, our first time with the DualSense in these games. And it has been a, a strange thing to be like, here it is. It's finally here. And we get to jump in. And I'm right there with you. Like it was a, I was hopeful because, you know, the PS4 generation has gone pretty well, but I wondered where we would land when the PS5 was first launching. And like this first bout of things that we're able to discuss and play with has been really reaffirming and like, yeah, I'm excited for next gen. I know we spent some time on the show being like, do we need next gen? Maybe we didn't, but it's here and I'm really happy with it. And I'm I'm really excited for what the future holds because of what we've seen at the jump. And I think uh, there's only going to be so much more to jump into in these coming weeks and days, especially as the masses get their hands on it. Um, so yeah, this has been super fun to talk about. I know we could go on for a lot longer, but unfortunately we'll have to wrap up. Uh, but thank you so much, Lucy, Mitchell, and Janet for joining me for this episode. Uh, such a, a great opportunity to talk about this stuff with you all. Uh, and hopefully we'll have plenty more to talk about in the weeks to come. Hope to have you all on to talk about more PS5, uh, in the coming weeks. But, uh, also thank you to Red, our producer, for listening to all of our rambling while he doesn't have a PS5. We appreciate it, Red. And we I'm love sorry. you, Red. Um, but anyway, uh, of course, also thank you to everyone out there who's watching or listening to the show. Obviously, this has been a very interesting year to be covering the launch of a new system. Uh, and so it is really, really exciting to be able to finally talk about this stuff with you all. And, uh, I can't wait till all of you have your hands on it as well. And we can kind of have that conversation going on with everyone. So uh, if you have other questions about the PS5, please write in to beyond at IGN.com uh, with your questions. We'll try to answer some on the weeks to come, uh, especially once you all have your systems, we can probably jump in even more. But uh, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode of Beyond. Uh, thank you so much for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. Uh, we hope you're excited for PS5 because we are. Uh, and thank you, as always, Beyond. 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 Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with Calm Conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 